co-host Brad Moore, and you're listening to Two Guys in a Conversation, a radio sports talk show here on 88.1 Catholic Radio, and always a busy week in the sports uh, this time of year, Brad, and we're going to start off having a little talk about the Healing football team, now 0-3 to start the season, had a tough game up at Hull Western Christian against a very, very talented 1A team, Brad. I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I listened to it in, in the entirety. I was on the way down to Ames to the Iowa State game. But uh, a little bit of adversity in the game, Brad. The quarterback, uh, sophomore quarterback, who's stepping in for the injured Brant Hogue, got uh, an injury, and they had to drop down into their, their third-string quarterback um, and really kind of uh, affected their ability, I think, to do a lot of things offensively. But they, the coaches did a great job, I thought, keeping the game close. And, you know, what do you do in a situation like that, Brad? Well, that's a tough one. And uh, I, I played a college game one time where a similar thing happened to our opponent. And I think they finished the uh, uh, last 40 plays they ran between the tackles. And the coach just said, hey, if nothing else, we're going to get tougher out of this game and uh, we're going to keep the game close and we're going to do something that uh, we know that we can do. And it sounds like Helan did mm-hmm. a little bit of that. They had 72 total yards. Uh, so it struggled a little offensively, but their defense is still keeping them in games. You know, they're not giving up a lot of points. They're giving up about 15 points a game. Um, yep. Yep. So they got to find some offense. Yeah, I, I agree. That's essentially what happened when um, Luke Longbow went out is they went into to double tight formation and basically just played smash mouth football. And I think it was actually a great strategy because it was one of those games you're listening to it, like one big play could have changed it. It was 3-0 most of the game. And Hull Western has a fairly prolific passing attack and so you really got to give credit to, to Helan's defense. I thought they did a really, really good job of stopping the run, by the way. They held him under 10 yards rushing in the first half. And I don't know what the total yards were. It was pretty minimal. But it was just one big play late in the game that kind of healed the deal. But um, uh, I, I think that I was impressed with the fact that Longbow was able to come back into the game, second half, toughed it out, made a big completion, uh, kind of gave him a chance. But they just couldn't get over the hump in that game. But, I think they'll be better for it, Brad. Yeah, the the young kids will step up uh, in that situation. If you've got a, a young third-string quarterback, last thing you want to do is ruin his confidence. Sometimes it's it's good to just get his feet wet, um, get mm-hmm. him hit a couple times, and then he'll mature as a player. Uh, good news is, is that uh, Longville came back. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what the status of uh, Brad, Brent's Hogue is. Uh, we'll get some updates on that for our our next show and, and just see things how, how progress this Friday for the Crusaders. Uh, and by the way, don't forget to, to tune in to the, uh, uh, the radio pregame show following our show here on KD 8.1 with Bob Gary and Travis Morgan, uh, the voice of, of Helan football. And uh, they'll bring that to you right after our show. Brad volleyball at Helan, they got a much needed win against West in Lauren Brooks first year. And she's uh, building her own program there. And, and uh, you know, always tough in the MRAC. Uh, Sergeant Bluff, and uh, a lot of good competition coming up for healing in the future here. They've always gone out and played as good a competition as they can find. Unfortunately, here in the Midwest, and specifically the Omaha-Lincoln area, you do not have to travel very far to find great volleyball competition. 
Yeah, it's true. It's everywhere. Hey, give me some other. Uh, hey, what's happening around our, our region a little bit? There's some 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 highlights uh, that you were sharing with me. What's yes. Going on? So uh, Dakota Valley uh, football continues to roll. They beat uh, Millbank 27-14. Uh, game-winning touchdown uh, broke. Uh, Six six tie really was a, or a game changing touchdown by Noah Steele, uh, who's actually the son of uh, friends of mine Jim and Linda Steele. So uh, Noah uh, doing a good job there at Dakota Valley. So Dakota Valley now is two and one and uh, on a little bit of a roll. On another note, um, Boys City Golf uh, Jackson Thompson from uh, Sioux City Healing won with the seventy three. Uh, he actually was playing better than that. He I think he bogeyed uh, for the last five holes, so he was under par. Uh, playing very well, uh, Helan finished third. Uh, Sergeant Bluff uh, awesome. edged East. So, a few a uh, few little local highlights there. Hey Brad, you know I, I'm sure you're excited to hear this, but rumor has it the Iowa Hawkeyes are looking at Jackson Thompson, and uh, I'm a big uh, big fan of that that process. Uh, I think there's a little bit of Nebraska. Uh, I think Mom might be a Nebraska fan there, so that'll be interesting if he puts the Hawkeye hat on. Well, you know, Iowa's a great school, and Jackson is probably a better student than he is a golfer, and he's a great golfer. So uh, he'd be a good good fit for uh, either the Hawkeyes or I've heard Creighton or University of Nebraska. Those would all be great. I'd like Jack to be the next Zach Johnson. Of course, Zach Johnson is a, a U of I grad and has not done too bad out there on the pro circuit. So it uh, be fun to watch where he ends up. But what a great kid. Nobody works harder at golf than that kid, and he's got such a nice demeanor. And, and, and when you get a chance to talk with him, great interpersonal skills. And I'm not sure how that ever happened, knowing his dad. But yeah, he's I a think great kid. we definitely have to credit his mother for that. <laughs> hey, Dakota Valley volleyball uh, continues to, to get out of the gates well. They uh, went four and one over at the uh, Lamar's tournament, uh, losing in two sets uh, to Sergeant Bluff. But they had Sergeant Bluff on the ropes in the in the second set, leading 16 to 10 in that second set, but lost, uh, I believe, 25-23, uh, handing uh, the Purple Panthers volleyball team, coached by Mary Miller, uh, uh, their first loss. Sergeant Bluff, by the way, though, is 11 and 0, so uh, it's a pretty good measuring stick as to the uh, uh, where DV's at right now. Is they're uh, they're looking to make a run in Class A in South Dakota volleyball. Um, Lamar's Galen, uh, you know, getting a little update uh, from Galen. Uh, always, always solid volleyball program over there. And uh, they took Unity to five sets, which Unity is one of the top uh, 2A programs in the state as well, um, losing in five sets. But, uh, you know, that'll be a good test for Helan in the uh, um, the CYO tournament, the Catholic Youth, Youth Volleyball Tournament that's always held in the fall. And I believe this year it's over at uh, Bishop Garrigan in Algona. And so that's just a fun event for the kids to play in. And, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Galen and Helan uh, match up over there. It's always a, that's always a very uh, spirited uh, game. And and on the football side of things, um, Lamar's Galen is going to go play uh, West Sioux, uh, the number one ranked team in Class A, uh, who has a quarterback, Brad, uh, that just emerged this summer. He's a great athlete going to Iowa State, and uh, somehow the Huskers and the Hawks missed on this kid, but sounds like he's the real deal. It'll be fun to see him play. So if we're giving updates on uh, Galen and surrounding uh, schools, am I to assume that our listenership has grown? I think we now are up to 10. Yeah. So there's somebody over Lamar's that, that is, has nothing better to do 
than to tune in and listen to us. Well, we, <laughs> so, we sure appreciate any updates. So if there's anyone uh, out there from our listenership that uh, wants right to give on. us updates, updates on uh, Galen or Carroll Camper or any of the other regional schools, uh, we would certainly appreciate uh, that information. Yeah, great point, Brad. Hey, we're going to come back here in a couple of minutes, two guys in a conversation. See you in just a minute. Welcome back, everybody. Steve Ferguson, along with my co-host, Brad Moore, for Two Guys in a Conversation. This segment of our show is known as Steve and Brad's Room of Knowledge. Brad, we've been focusing on Big Ten football. You know, this show is about two guys sitting around that get to talk sports, and we just happen to record it and let people listen to our conversation. And one of our favorite topics is Big Ten football. And, you know, what we've been doing is we've been sort of lifting our order of the Big Ten teams and uh, and talking about that. And, and this week, uh, we're starting off once again with Ohio State at the top of our board. And boy, I tell you what, they look good. So we, we look smart so far this year. You, you know, no one has really played any one preseason and, and our uh, order here has not shuffled much. And so our predictions so far look pretty good. Uh, we we both thought that Ohio State was going to be number one in the Big Ten. They're the, the team to beat. 51-10 over Indiana. It wasn't close, and uh, they are as good as we thought they'd be. Yeah, their quarterback, that transfer, uh, Justin Fields, I think his name is, five-star guy, man, he's tearing it up. And, uh, you know, Ohio State just reloads. I mean, it's an embarrassment if they don't go 10-2 uh, and two or better. Um, but But moving away from them, and on to Wisconsin. Uh, again, Wisconsin is just so solid. You both, you and I, have been very impressed. You picked them to win the to win the West, and you, why wouldn't you? You know, if they win it most of the time, and until we uh, have someone that proves that they can stand up and and take on Wisconsin, they have to be the favorite. And boy, they sure look at this year, don't they, Brett? They do. And Jonathan Taylor is really all you need offensively. They have big, solid line. They've got Jonathan Taylor. They've got a quarterback now that. Uh, is looking better than what we thought he would be at the uh, beginning of the year. Very stout defense. So Wisconsin is Wisconsin so far. Yeah, yeah. And remember, I, I, I like your talk about the, they all have Lima's short hair up there, which uh, is an aberration in college football today. Hey, Michigan at number three. I bought your Kool-Aid. I'm still not convinced that they're going to have the offensive consistency yet to be our third best Big Ten team. But after we look at some of the other fallout of other games, they've got to be number three, and I agree with you, Brad. Yeah, so Shea Patterson, I didn't know this, but Shea Patterson had an injury. He was battling an injury. Uh, he was in the lineup, uh, out of the lineup. He's uh, supposed to be fully recovered from in injury this week, just in time I see. Uh, for uh, uh, Wisconsin. So that's a very interesting matchup. You've got number 11, uh, Michigan, number 13, Wisconsin. The reason I'm high yeah. on Michigan is uh, last year, I just compare all the teams that Nebraska played, and I really felt like the only team that physically dominated them and, and had way superior athletes on the field, even more so than Ohio State, was Michigan. So something wasn't ticking. Maybe it was that uh, injury to Patterson, but I expect they're going to be yeah. back. Um, I, I really like Michigan in this game against Wisconsin. That's a good observation, you know, and that's the fun part about seeing teams live rather than watching them sometimes on TV as you start, to, you get a different feel when you're, when you're actually at a game. My thoughts on Michigan, and I, I briefly touched on this last week when we were talking. So they got a new offensive coordinator trying to go up-tempo, maybe a little bit of run-pass option. 
And <clears throat> I think the question is, can the old quarterback, the ball coach, Harbaugh, give up the, 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 the reins and let that offensive coordinator just run his own game and show? And I feel like there's been some conflict in that. Uh, I'm wondering if Harbaugh kind of overrides him ever. I don't know that. I just sense that that's a possibility. And I think whoever's going to run that show offensively is going to make a big difference because continuity to me in sports is the most important factor that you know what to expect, what your coaches expect, and then you try to execute. Yeah, for sure. And for, for, for what they pay offensive coordinators now in the Big Ten and especially at Michigan, um, they've got to let him do his deal. And if they don't, he's yeah. probably going to be short-lived. And uh, as you mentioned, continuity is what you need in a winning program. We, uh, I don't know if we, I put Iowa for. I, I, I put him over Penn State, you know, and that's, we could flip-flop him. Penn State's got a lot of talent. But they had a hard-fought win against Pitt at home. Now, it was perhaps weather influence. There was a little bit of weather there. But again, Penn State just hasn't shown the real dominance in some of these early games that warrants them to be as highly ranked. I think they're very susceptible um, to defeat. Um, and so I put Iowa there. I was at the Iowa State game. We'll talk uh, more on Iowa uh, in the last part of our show. But uh, bottom line is you sometimes have to win games that you shouldn't necessarily win uh, or, and, and have a special season. And I think that Iowa State game was a very fortunate win for Iowa, Brett. Hey, a win is a win. And, and no one is ever going to complain about a win in college football today. Here's what continues to impress me about Iowa. And just for the record, I agree with Iowa in that uh, fourth spot. So Iowa uh, averages almost 47 yards per punt. We talked about their punter last week. Uh-huh. And uh, – we also um, we have uh, zero turnovers once again by Iowa and four penalties. So Iowa continues to play Iowa football. Um, they do yep. what they need to do to win. They they know their identity. So uh, I'm with you, Iowa number four. So we've put Nebraska back at six, and here's why: Illinois, no; Indiana, no; Minnesota, no; three and zero, but barely winning; um, Maryland. The, the real Maryland showed up. Northwestern, no question mark. Northwestern, Purdue, no. Nebraska had a great bounce back game. Uh, Brad, what'd you think of, of the keys of, of this big turnaround and of this game here at Lincoln? And what did you like about it? I don't know how good Northern Illinois is, so I'm not I'm, I'm not going to get too excited over this win. But uh, as I've been saying the the whole year is that. Nebraska has some incredible playmakers, uh, Martinez, Washington. Um, they're all over the field, and they can get big chunk plays. My concern continues to be the offensive line. When they get into tight games, can they move the chains? Can they um, pick up first downs? Can they score when they have to score? So, you know, they're down there at six. That's about where they deserve to be. Um, but their offense is showing uh, signs of life. Their defensive front uh, is stout. Again, it all comes down to the uh, offensive line. So, you know, if, when we think about our preseason uh, predictions, you know, if we go to the West or go to the East, we have Ohio State as our first-ranked team, Michigan as our third-ranked team, Penn State as our fifth-ranked team. And I think that was about our order with maybe a Michigan State question mark. I dropped Michigan State down. 
uh, out of that top six as well as one team we didn't talk about, and that pushed Nebraska in. And then we had Wisconsin, which you felt strongly about. I can't argue with that. I really feel like Nebraska is going to get better and better if that line play comes along. And then, of course, we got Iowa sandwiched between them, and Iowa could drop down, could go up. You know, Iowa's Iowa. You know, the ball's got to bounce the right way for them to stay in the games. Hey, we got a lot to talk about in our final section coming up here in just a minute on Two Guys in Conversation, and we'll talk soon. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in Conversation. Steve Ferguson along with our co-host, Brad Moore. And this section of our show is kind of our college sports roundup where we talk a little uh, Morningside, Briarcliff, our big three, Nebraska, Iowa, and Iowa State. A lot of fun stuff to talk about here, Brad, coming up uh, on this segment. And I'm going to lead off with Morningside football, ranked number one in the country, took on number 24, Dort, 56 to 14. Morningside continues to flex their muscle. Um, A.J. Ponder, running back, a very, very talented uh, kid out of Georgia, had 216 yards, including a 99-yard touchdown uh, run from scrimmage, the longest in the history of Morningside football, and was the GPAC Offensive Player of the Week. Golinchak, the quarterback, that is uh, replacing the All-American Trent Solzma, again was impressive at 21 for 35, 277, two TDs. And so showing their offense is continuing to march along there, Brad. Defensively, uh, they were very stellar. They gave up an 80-yard touchdown pass uh, on kind of a fluke play at the early. Then uh, Morningside uh, had 56 unanswered points and then a late touchdown uh, again by Dort. So their defense stood up. Joel Kotzer. Uh, who is the reigning uh, GPAC Defensive Player of the Year linebacker, uh, had a stellar game for Morningside leading the way with 10 tackles, two for loss, one sack, and a pick six, 64-yard interception return for touchdown, was named GPAC Defensive Player of the Week and the National NAI Player of the Week. So uh, hats off to Joel uh, for continuing excellent play and helping lead the defense. Uh, Morningside Volleyball got their first win in the GPAC, uh, beating a very good Concordia team at home. And, Brad, we talked a lot about it. Seniors, you win with seniors in the GPAC. Uh, Emma Gerber, uh, who is a, a returning all-conference player, middle blocker, along with Brittany Olson, senior, who's four-year starter, Sergeant Bluff High player, outstanding player. Uh, they led the team with 10 kills uh, and 12 kills, respectively, and led in blocks and got uh, Morningside back on track uh, in a very, very tough uh, GPAC conference. they got Hastings coming up next. Uh, it, it's going to be a rough, rough road ahead uh, to get the traction back to try to get that upper half, Brad. Oh, by the way, Emma Gerber was also named homecoming queen. So uh, uh, pretty neat stuff going on for her over there at uh, Morningside. Um, hey, what's what's up at the cliff right now? What's going on? Well, let's start with uh, women's volleyball. Uh, Briarcliff now eleven and six overall, two and two in the conference. They've lost three in a row, um, oh, and yeah. now they take on uh, Jamestown University of Jamestown, thirteenth in the country, uh, on the road wow. before returning wow. home to take on Morningside uh, and, and then Mount Marty. So, uh, road's going to get tougher for Briarcliff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Briarcliff. Yeah, it's going to be key. Briarcliff uh, football. Wow, they are impressive. We talked earlier in the year about their defense and how strong their defense was going to be. Forty-seven to nothing uh, shutout of Dakota Wesleyan. Uh, I thought this was a mistake. I didn't see the game, but uh, reading the statistics, they held uh, uh, Dakota Wesleyan to forty total yards for the game. Wow, shutout. V- wow. Very impressive. Again, they get uh, good production out of uh, Jordan Williams and Stanton Lee, 
Uh, they combined for almost 150 yards uh, rushing and two touchdowns. Jonathan Santos, you know, they, they went with the uh, senior uh, in the second game, very efficient, 14 of 18 for 216 yards and one touchdown. So Briar Cliff has quietly moved to the top uh, of the uh, GPAC in several defensive categories. So uh, Coach Wagner has got a defense that is for real there at the cliff. You, uh, our very first show, you nailed it when you said that eight returning starters on defense. And again, we talk about continuity. Uh, that really sets the stage for them and keeping them in games. And, uh, and that, that, that early loss was a close game as well. So it's going to be very interesting uh, when the Cliff and Morningside battle because you've got these two strong defense. It could be a lot closer game than what they've had in the past. Uh, and one that'll be fun to fun to watch. Yeah, and I think that Brad, the Cliff went... has also found their uh, offensive identity a little bit uh, yeah, with yeah, with the new yeah. quarterback. Well, he's a senior, but new starting quarterback in that run game, I think, is just very efficient. Uh, no yeah. turnovers. Um, and they're getting it done. Yeah, kind of Iowa like, you know, kind of Iowa like. So uh, that's good. Good stuff on the Cliff there. Hey, um, I was in Ames. Iowa State, what a crazy environment. Game day, unbelievable. Weather delays. Um, we had to leave the stadium twice. Um, it was one of those games, Brad, where I walked out and went, wow, we should not have won. There's a statistic out that in the last 499 games played in college football, if a team averages more than 7.5, uh, seven yards on offense and hold the other team to less than 4.3 yards per play on offense. They've won 498 out of 499 games. Guess what happened in Ames? 498 and two. <laughs> Iowa had, yeah. So you can see when you will go, how did we win that game again? It's typical Iowa. Kept it close and just got things to go the right way. And I mean, I walked out of there and went, wow, that was, we're very fortunate have got that win at Ames. That is a solid football team down there. Yes, for sure. And I, I actually uh, watched most of that game, most of the end of it, at least the second half, uh, thanks to to the delay. I was able to catch it. But, you know, I am uh, I have a lot of respect for Iowa. Um, I like Iowa. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I love Iowa. So the end of that game, uh, the, when Iowa State got back-to-back -back, uh, hands to the face and holding penalties on the last drive when they just needed a field goal, and then they hold, yep. they hold, and then they fumble the punt. I I, I just was shaking my head, saying, um, "That's Iowa football." I, I you know they got a little fortunate at the end, but when you're yep. the kind of team that Iowa is, and you play the style um, that Iowa likes to play, the good things happen to them. And the reason that the the ball seems to bounce and the 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 calls go their way at the end of the game is because. They're very disciplined, so don't take anything away from Iowa uh, in the way that they won that game. Well, let's take our hats off to Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Slowly, and maybe not slowly, he's creating a bit of a team that's like an Iowa with discipline, with attitude, uh, fundamentals. They've had, you know, obviously they had a couple breakdowns there, but at the same time, He's got the capabilities of, to running a little bit more of a Big 12-type offense. They've got more team speed. They could bring their cornerbacks right up on our wide receivers where we had to play zone against their wide receivers. And Brock Purdy, I believe, hit 15 out of his first 16 passes against us. 
and yet they only had the two giant plays on offense. I mean, you watched, he was just picking them apart, but yet you go, wow, how is Iowa still in the game? Just because, again, controlling the clock. Iowa controlled the clock, and that's what saved them, is that ball control, disciplined offense. So it was a very fortunate win in a great environment at Iowa State. That's a great place to watch football right now. they got a lot of things going on that are good. That's Brad, a great, great, win for I, great win for yeah. Iowa. Final thoughts on Nebraska here, and we wrap up our show in the next minute or so. You know, uh, who they got next? And, and I also know that you have, saw an amazing volleyball match down in Lincoln recently. Yeah, so uh, Nebraska goes on the road, 2-1 uh, and one Nebraska against 2-1 and one Illinois. Nebraska, I think, has dropped eight straight road games. So it's going to be a challenge for them. Uh, I would expect, I think they're favored by seven. I'm hoping that they found their offense and uh, can pull out a victory there. Yeah, so talking about volleyball, I was fortunate enough last night, I drove to Lincoln and experienced number one Nebraska against number two Stanford. Uh, Nebraska 7-0 wow. and oh and undefeated. Stanford, I think, came in 6-1. and one. Um, Stanford returned all six uh, starters, uh, seniors from a national championship team a year ago, so we knew they would be good. Nebraska has two freshmen, two sophomores, two juniors. There's not a senior on the roster. So it was kind of the the new faces versus the group of seniors. And at times, yeah. um, Nebraska uh, looked really good, it looked like they could play with Stanford. But in the end, as you said, um, sometimes seniors are just too much. But the environment was a crazy, crazy um, college vol- volleyball environment, about 9,000 in attendance. And even the Stanford coach and player said, we never get to play in front of this kind of crowd. Uh, so it was a very unique experience. That's so cool. Uh, I hope Knuckles played well. I uh, love that name. Yeah, Knuckles, uh, <laughs> she, defensive specialist, she played well. I, I think that uh, in listening on the way home to Coach Cook's interview, um, I was probably a little bit more disappointed in Nebraska's uh, – play than he was he saw a lot of bright spots uh he said you know uh Stanford has probably maxed out their potential they're not going to get a lot better uh this year because their seniors already playing at a high level he said but going through the Big Ten playing who we get to play he said we're going to get a lot better we have a very high upside um so he said let's see what happens uh towards the end of the year well that's a great observation well it's gonna be fun to get these updates on volleyball because I know you and Gene our great fans and Fred against a lot of matches down there. We're going to wrap up our show here. A final thought, Brad, as Nebraska goes on the road. All you people out there, this is Fergie's pick of the week. It's a lock that Nebraska ends their losing streak at Illinois and uh, gets a road victory out there. We'll talk more next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Two guys in the conversation, Steve Ferguson, Brad Moore, signing off.